All right, welcome to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, right here on News 95.7. Clinton Wilkins, you're choosing the music. What's going on? More Canadian uh, music there, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping up with the Canadian trend. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. That's not bad. Who is it? This is Winter Sleep. Really? Do you know it? No, I don't. I've okay. heard the song before. Yeah, this one's a popular one. And... Uh, Keeping on our maybe South Shore, Shore Club, you know, playlist, you know, the last few episodes of Mortgage 101 here on News 95.7, we played Canadian artists that also played at the Shore Club. Yeah, the trade, and there are a lot. April Wine played down there, have they? Miles well, Goodwin has. I'm sure April Wine probably has yeah. over the last 75 years. I, I was actually at the 75th anniversary uh, at the Shore Club. You were. Yeah, I was. I was, was it a sentimental uh, kind of feeling? It was sentimental, and it was almost like a little bit that uh, COVID didn't exist. Obviously, you know, we were wearing our masks and sitting in our seat, but, you know, it was a good time. Good time, probably. Everybody needed a little bit of a good time this summer. But now, you know, we're into fall, and there's no better time to talk about home ownership and mortgage lending than going into the fall. You know, maybe you want to fall into home ownership. Wow. Is that corny? That's really corny. What are your thoughts, if any, on the federal election? Um, not super surprised. Yeah. You know, we had a bit of a vested interest in a couple of candidates. You know, um, spouses may or may not work here in the office, as well as, you know, we have friends that are related to, you know, existing MPs that were obviously running. So we're keeping a close eye on a few of the candidates. Um, and when it was called that it was going to be a liberal minority, I basically turned off the TV and I had been staying up. Um, and I didn't watch the rest of the country, the results come in. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was certainly watching very intently on what was going on here in, uh, Halifax. Yeah. And obviously in a couple other writings that we were really like watching and, 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 uh, very interested in. And, um, you know, not not super, super surprised, but I think obviously the Canadians have spoken and, um, you know, they've given the Liberals another minority government. So it's really giving them a mandate, mm -hmm. you know, for the next uh, period of time, whether that's going to be four yeah. years. I don't know. Uh, there's certainly a lot of hot topics, and one of them certainly is housing, Todd. Yeah, well, I was going to say, um, Trudeau talked a lot about housing. Right? A lot about housing. And, yeah. you know, obviously we're here to talk about housing. And I think... Um, you know, I'll give us a, a little bit of uh, kudos. We've been talking about housing for years, mm -hmm. live on the air and during our podcast format that we're on now. And um, you know what? I think it's, we've talked about a lot of core issues. Yeah, we've talked a lot about mortgage lending, but we've talked a lot about housing as well. And, you know, the topics of the day. So we're going to continue those conversations. I think it's important to have, you know, we need to break down some of these barriers. And uh, I'm happy to be on the air uh, with you. But Trudeau, I mean, he, he, he talked a big game about getting people into homes. And now I can't even remember what some of the potential incentivization or incentivized uh, programs would have mm -hmm. been. So do you remember what some of them even were? Like the, uh, there, there was a tax-free account for, for some home buyers yeah. and stuff that they talked about. And, um, you know, a lot of it was around first-time home buyers. Exactly. And, you know, I think those are good conversations to have. I think, um, think first-time home buyers were left a little bit out in the lurch a little bit, probably over the last few years, it's been a challenging time. And it's not just in Halifax for first time home buyers, first time home buyers from across the country, yeah, I think, uh, have been having a hard time. And 
I'm glad that um, some of these campaign promises, I guess we'll call them, uh, were brought to the forefront. And now we'll see, obviously, in the coming weeks and years, what gets sworn into law. Because, you know, as you know, within a minority government, they yeah. really have to have the support of other MPs outside of the party to really bring these um, into law. So I think yeah. we'll be watching, obviously, intently. Mm -hmm. uh, I've personally done some um, lobbying, I guess, for our professional um, association, Mortgage Professionals Canada. I've spoken with MPs here in our region. Uh, and senators and talk, you know, really talked about some of these core issues around housing and uh, mortgage finance. All right. So now we're going to talk about uh, something that everybody's curious about, and that's the market and, and the availability that's out there and uh, what the anticipation is for the fall market. Typically, what is the fall market? Is it kids go back to school after Labor Day until November? Is there a calendar on the I fall think it market? really kind of continues into like mid-December, to be honest, Todd. Is that right? Um, yeah. Kind of after mid-December, things kind of die off. You know, yeah. nobody really wants to talk about mortgage lending or real estate, you know, in the holidays. I don't really want to talk about it either. Um, and I think you, you will always want to talk about real estate. Come on now. I mean, I do want to talk about it, but it also is nice having a break. And I am looking forward to having a break this year. Um, but the fall market is one of the busiest markets of the year. And sometimes people just talk about the spring, spring market. You know, people are getting pre-approved, lots of activity, and then that activity kind of carries through the rest of the year. But the fall market is a very, very important market, Todd, and I'll tell you why. It's that market that basically cleans things up. If you are a seller that is trying to sell their property and you want to sell it, chances are you become more motivated in the fall because you want to sell that property before winter. Yes. The winter market typically isn't as busy because people don't want to move. They don't want to contest what, you know, deal with snow and the rain and sleet and all these things. And fall can be very busy to kind of clean up that inventory that hasn't sold uh, in the summer or maybe from the spring. I think this fall market will be busy as well, Todd. But my one concern is really, and I'll bring it back, is around listings. You know, last month I said, you know what, we're seeing some listings come back. You know, I'm feeling positive. We're seeing more and more listings, uh, but you know we're almost at that critical point where um, if we don't start seeing some more listings, I don't think it'll be as busy as it has been. It also is concerning to me because the less supply there is, the demand keeps on building. And you know, I will say that probably the market is slightly overheated right now. Do I ever think the prices are going down? Not unless we have a lot of supply come in. So I don't think the prices are necessarily going to go down, but I think uh, the situation in terms of how heated the market is, at least here in Nova Scotia, will be further exacerbated by the lack of, of supply. So the, the, the market, do you think it's peaked? In terms of price or transactions? Yeah, well, I guess, I guess both. Again, it's a supply and demand situation. It all depends on what happens with the supply. In terms of transactions, Todd, the fall market isn't as busy as we would normally see in the spring. So I don't know if we're going to see, you know, an uptick in the transactions. Looking forward even to like our pipeline, uh, November looks soft compared to last year. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a symptom of some uncertainty in the market. Yes as well as the lack of supply in terms of new uh, listings. Why is there uncertainty in the market? You know, I think anytime that, you know, COVID kicks up 
and I think you know the delay in phase five happening in Nova Scotia, yeah. we're have, we're having like a really kind of slow uh, build, you know, in our vaccination percentages. I think um, we've had, but we've we we went through COVID and had a, one of the hottest markets of all time. Yeah, we did during lockdowns. And you know, I hope we never are back there again. Yeah, me too. But it contradicts what you're saying. It contradicts what I'm saying in the sense that normally things go hog wild when the kids go back into school. Yeah. We saw a little bit of that, but it's almost eerie quiet right now. Wow. For everybody? I don't know for everyone, but I'm even, when I look even at the street sometimes in downtown, I think we're, ha- we're having a lot of people come back into the office before during the summer. Mm-hmm. And I think we thought there was going to be like a mass back to normal in September going into phase five. And when that was delayed, I think it kind of dampened maybe a little bit of the activity. Will it come back? I think so. I think it's going to be very steady. I'm feeling positive. Uh, I think it's going to be steady between now and December, but is it going to be as busy as it was last year? I don't think we're going to see the amount of transactions, Todd, because we don't have the supply. So, you know, I think it's a wait and see. I'm not ringing the alarm by any chance or any, uh, by any means, but um, I think it's something that we're cautiously optimistic. Um, but I think everyone's prepared that even when we do a pre-approval and even when we get an accepted offer, Todd, honestly, we almost celebrate with the, cu- with the client because we're like, whoa, you got an accepted offer. It's so uh, exciting, I think, for everyone involved in the process. And I think it's just such a, even a milestone to be able to get an accepted offer on a property these days. Well, uh, and uh, things could change though. You could get a, a barrage of listings just like yeah, that. Yeah, we might. And, um, you know, I think one of the issues that obviously is being talked about on the federal level as well as the provincial level is working with the municipalities to cut the red tape and how can they help sort out some of these uh, supply issues. So we can certainly talk about that. All right, what do you want to talk about besides that? Mortgage myths? Do you want to get into mortgage myths? We definitely want to talk time? about the myths because it is October and uh, yeah, Halloween. Uh, mortgage lending can be very daunting and scary. So hopefully we can break down some of those myths. All right, Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. We're right back here on News 95.7. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from a slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise, Welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership. And here in News 95.7 with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. And it's obviously that time of year, right? It's Halloween time. It's literally right around the corner, which is pretty amazing, like how fast uh, the year went and how fast, really, September went. And how fast life goes, eh? To be all existential, what do you think? I mean, life goes by pretty quick sometimes. Yeah, that's why you need to buy a house. Don't waste time. Don't waste time because, you, you know, one of the myths that um, uh, sometimes people think we're going to wait and it's going to be better. I don't think it necessarily ever gets better in terms of the price point, Todd. Um, and I think the myth is that there's going to be a bubble and the bubble is going to burst. I don't necessarily think that's what the situation is going to be here in Nova Scotia. And I think we've talked about it a little bit, obviously, um, that we might have renormalized our pricing a little bit. And maybe it was low, artificially. Or, yeah, or maybe it's artificially high now. I guess only time will tell. 
And there's certainly lots of myths that we kind of um, talk about all the time with consumers. And, you know, in, in October, we're talking, you know, about myths. Um, one, one of the big ones is around uh, people think mortgage brokers and mortgage lenders are the same thing. You mean you're not the same thing? Imagine. Like, <laughs> oh, back to the French. I know. Um, the lender <laughs> obviously. Mix it up and use some Spanish or something. I don't. I don't know any Spanish, so maybe I'll have to learn some by our next our, our next time around. Yeah. Um, lenders provide an actual mortgage themselves, so um, you know we deal with a lot of the big five. For yeah. example, yeah. you can walk into the branch and you can get a mortgage, or you can get a mortgage from the same lender through us. Yeah. Um, we basically facilitate the mortgage, and we are a broker. I think. For to help people understand a little bit, we review things like income, assets, and credit, and figure out where the best fit for that customer will be. And we do a lot of the work that would normally be done uh, by the branch. So we collect documents, we review the credit, we submit the application to underwriting where a branch would submit to underwriting. So uh, it's similar in a way, but uh, we are basically like Costco. Yes. You just sell the products. We basically uh, connect the borrower with the lender, but we're only doing one type of product and it's just toilet paper. That's all we do all day long. And we're really an expert just in that, in this one niche. And I think that's what's so valuable. Mortgage lending is a complex widget. Yes. And uh, it can be daunting for, you know, a lot of people. So if you're the lender, you're doing, you're, you're, they pay you obviously a fee. The, The client doesn't pay you a fee. Yeah, important uh, as a, 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 the lenders pay us for sure. Right, uh, but uh, but it's worth it to them because a they're they're getting the business, and b you're 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 bringing them clients, but you're doing a lot of the work. Yeah, we do the bulk of the work, uh, obviously, and um, it's so that we have a bit of an economies of scale where typically a customer will get a lower rate from us, and they will if they walk into that same lender. I know Nestle shouldn't be that way. But it is cheaper to deal with me than it is to deal with, you know, maybe the employee at the branch. They're not paying me a salary or paying the rent in my office space. We're doing those type of things. So it does, um, and we give everyone the lowest rate that we can. I know a lot of banks kind of price on a model where our clients, obviously, we try to give them the very best rate that we can. You know, another big myth that we talk about all the time, Todd, is, you know, a customer's credit has to be perfect to get a mortgage. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's not true. I hope people know that by now. But I still get uh, inquiries all the time to, to say, you know, what maybe I've had some credit challenges in the past. You know, my, my credit isn't 900. It, it's out of a score of 900. But we see customers all the time that maybe have a score that's decent, but maybe they had a bit of a nuancy uh, period in their life that maybe they missed some payments. You can't change it, but I think if we have a good story, obviously we can present the best foot forward. You know, another big thing is around utilization. And sometimes that's just a snapshot in time. You know, we see customers all the time that buy a home five years ago, they do a bunch of renovations and they put that, the cost of those renovations on their credit cards and their lines of credit. And the, the utilization has brought down their score. Mm-hmm. They still have good credit, quote unquote, but the score is low due to the utilization. So we can make some... Find uh, more what you mean by utilization for those. So uh, utilization would be basically the amount that they owe compared to what their credit limit is. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're high on their credit or um, you know, sometimes over limit. That can really be a killer to that score. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't get a mortgage. It just means 
maybe it might be a little more tough for us to make it work. And depending on obviously where the property is located, you know, there's a variety of different lenders um, that will look at clients with uh, lots of different kind of credit matrixes as well. Yeah, well, you say it, it, it could be, it would be harder, obviously, to pull it together if you've got credit issues or not to say that you can't, but it will be, it will create challenges and you probably will pay. And again, this is why it's good to be a broker like you because you can go to different lenders. Of course. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that you'll pay a higher rate. It may just be that we have to do some work with you before we can get that approved with a normal traditional lender. You know, and the one advice that I have on credit, Todd, is make your bill payments on time. I see it all the time. I see clients that have, you know, a $30 credit card payment that they don't make. The number one uh, issue, I think, is probably cell phones. The number two issue is student loans. Yeah. People are like, oh, yeah, I deferred my student loan payment. Uh, No, that means that you missed the payment. They're going to report it late to your credit bureau, and you just don't have to pay them right now. Um, But I would say uh, cell phones, student loans, definitely a huge issue. But it still shocks me to this day. Um, You know, people are are like, well, I I made all my car payments, and I made all my mortgage payments, um, but they missed like a $10 payment on a credit card. Like that, it stays with you for six years. A $10 payment stays for six years. And that can really drive down your score. So I think knowing when your bills are due are obviously very important. I think, you know, opening your mail is important. If you move, change your address. Like these are some basics. And you think common sense is common, but it's not always that. Yeah. So a small little balance of 10 bucks, the the credit card company, they'll, they'll send that to the credit bureau? Oh, yeah. They'll mark that as late. If you're more than 30 days late, they'll mark it as late. Oh, is that right? Uh-huh. And how much would that impact your credit score? One missed payment. It's hard to say how much it will. It kind of depends on like what the rest of the matrix of your score looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends on how recent that late payment was. Obviously, if we look at it today and it's reporting as late on the credit bureau, that'll bring your score down. Right. If you look at it a month or two from now and you've brought it back up to date, but there was a recent missed payment, yeah, that'll probably bring the score down. But the further that we get away from the late payments, and if everything else is in good order, things are paid down, low utilization, it'll probably bring the score back up. And the score really, sometimes we work with customers and within like a month, they or two months, three months, they can increase their credit score sometimes by like 100 points. Wow. But Just it's doing, doing some a few little things. small things. And sometimes there's errors on consumers credit reports that you know we're able to fix we're able to do a commercial um investigation like we deal with equifax here and we're able to transunion right and we're able to you know work with the customer to be able to get that credit score to really where it needs to be we want to present the best foot forward when we are submitting a file for approval and um you know it's not all just about credit todd Obviously, that is a big piece of the pie, but it's not all of it. You know, the income and the assets are, are, are also, you know, play a big role in that mortgage approval. The other myth that we really do hear quite a lot is it's impossible to buy your first home. What do you mean it's impossible to buy your first home? First time home buyers think that it's just not possible to get into the market right now. Yeah. And for some of them, yeah, it might be challenging. But let's think about Toronto a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you can't afford to live downtown, 
I know people who work in downtown Toronto that live like an hour and a half outside of the city. Mm-hmm. Yes, it might be less than ideal. But if you really want to get that dream of home ownership, there are homes available. It might not be an HRM, mm-hmm. but maybe it's going to be in a more rural area of the province of Nova Scotia. Right. You can drive. You can drive. And if you, um, we're in a driving culture here. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. But I think the culture has changed a little bit, Todd. You know, more and more people are working at home. And um, more people kind of have changed the way that they're working. So maybe a more rural property could work for you. All right, well, we need a break. What do you want to talk about next, Clinton? You're the guy. You're teeing things up today. I, I Maybe I'm like the host today. Sure, you're the host. You're I'm sure we'll talk a lot about, you know, obviously the fall. Um, you know, we can certainly dig into some other, you know, issues around like what happens at the I'd like kind to, of the back I'd like to talk a little bit more about credit, if you don't mind. Yeah, you know what? We love talking about credit, and it's certainly a big piece of what okay, we Okay, we'll be back on News 95.7. All right, welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins. I don't know why I say his name first. Why don't I say my name first? How Can I introduce you? No, not oh, yet. Okay. In the next segment, you can introduce me. That'd be cool. Don't screw it up. Hopefully I can remember by then. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins, myself, Todd Vino, right here on News 95.7. What were we talking about? We were talking about uh, credit. Credit, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's one of the biggest myths. What well, is a huge? It is a huge myth, right? It's a huge myth. Yeah. That credit's either good, bad, ugly, forever. You know, one small blip can make a difference, but is it is it is it the end of the absolute world? Not necessarily. And there's lots of really good uh, things you can do with credit. And I mean, we talked a little bit about it uh, earlier in the show. But one of the big things that you can't change is making your payments on time. So it's really easy, Todd. Yes. Just do it. And sometimes it's the smallest little things that people forget about. Such as? That $10 minimum payment on a credit card. That happens. And sometimes I find people are like, well, I don't really use that credit card. But there's, you know, an automatic payment that shows up that once a year yeah. thing. And then yeah, forget. It's, and you it's don't the look. fee. It's the fee, right? It's a fee. That happens a lot. That happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's why if you're really not going to use the credit card. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Yeah. That said, though, might it be ex- uh, prudent to have, because if you need to get your hand on some money and you've got a, a if you can get $30,000, $35,000 on a credit card sitting there and you absolutely have to have it, it's nice to have it there, right? For just the sake of a hundred bucks a year to service. Well, I mean, you know, I think it, there's like an adage that says, um, you know, it's a lot harder to get credit when you need it. Exactly, and and I'll give you a direct example of this exact scenario. Shall I? Yeah, tell us. Okay, I've got uh, a line of credit with Scotia Bank. Mm-hmm. I've actually got a line of credit with RBC, which I which is zero balance on. The uh, the Scotia Bank has a line of credit because I've used it for to fix up my house, right. which I'm going to be dealing with when we remortgage, right? The appraisal, whatever. But they also sent me a thirty five thousand dollar bal or uh, credit card, and uh, it's it's the interest is I it's not a low interest credit card, mm-hmm. but I'm not carrying a balance on it. 
but there are some incentives to it. But in order to keep the credit card a year, it costs me a hundred bucks. It bills once a year, like like you said. Mm-hmm. And I've decided to spend that hundred dollars every year just to keep that credit in case hell hit the fan, and I needed thirty five grand. And you know what? That thirty five grand will probably keep you going for a while, or. Guess what? If something major happened to your house, it probably wouldn't be ideal to put it on a credit card. But it's better than but the you alternative. Have, you have the available credit. Right. Right? Yeah. And uh, people will come to me in a pinch. Like, I helped a young couple who bought a house a couple of years ago. Luckily, they were in a position with the equity to be able to refinance. But um, they need a new heating system for their house. Yeah. And guess what? We're right around the time that we're going to have to start turning on some heat. Mm-hmm. And, or if we, you know, some of us probably already have turned on some heat already, right? Um, and they didn't have the available credit and they didn't have the cash. You know, could they have gone to apply for a line of credit or something? Maybe. But it was just as easy for them to do a refinance. And we actually got them into a better mortgage product than they had already. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were re- able to refinance their home up to 80% of the market value. And obviously with the price, you know, the value increases and the amount that they paid it down the last few years, they were in a position that they could get the equity out that they needed. And uh, and guess what? It's saving them from maybe getting a higher interest line of credit or maybe a loan. And uh, they were actually offered a loan for like 9%. Yeah. From who? Not specific. I don't know. But I, don't know. I don't know who was at the credit grantor, but right. it was yeah. like a, a loan to put in a new heating system. Right. Yeah. And... You know, here's the thing in Nova Scotia. You need to have a safe place over your head. And I know we've obviously talked about that quite a bit. But you need to be able to have heat. And that's one of those, you know, you know, core things that you need in a home. And you can probably deal without a furnace, you know, in the spring and summer. But for the fall and, you know, obviously going into the winter, mm-hmm. you need to make sure that you have a reliable heating source. What are, you, what are your thoughts on, on people, they get heat, they get uh, into houses and they get these, they sign these deals with these leases on heat pumps and things mm-hmm. like that. That can be problematic when, you, when you're trying to sell or can it not? Yeah, because some of it's lease. Exactly. And what I mean, um, yeah. buyers don't always want to assume a lease from a seller of a property because it's, it's like another payment. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen leased furnaces and leased hot water tanks and uh, leased, um, you know, propane tanks. That's actually, you, there's no option but to lease it. But there's certainly leased equipment that can be in, involved. And um, it's not for everybody because it's going to increase that housing cost. And I've actually seen recently some purchase agreements where the buyer is like, I'll pay your price for your house. But part of the deal is that the heat pump lease or loan or whatever will be paid out as part of the closing. So they wouldn't then have a payment. Right. And I think that's a good way to do it. Well, it is, but it's going to cost you money when you're selling. It's going to cost the seller. In this case, they probably got a little bit of a higher price for their house, but, but they had to pay out this had loan. to pay out the loan. Mm-hmm. Right. And the loan was paid out to the sale proceeds. So it wasn't like the seller had to cough deal, it up. Right. But the bottom line is think before you do these things that this is going to be at play. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's another payment and you know, uh, sometimes death by a thousand slashes. And you may not think it's, you know, a huge payment. Maybe it is a small payment, but sometimes it's a payment over a really long time. And, um, you know, it's just like an extra expense that you might not need to uh, really take on. So if you know you have a different avenue for financing um, an improvement like that, I think you should take it. But uh, back to credit scores not being perfect, but you do need to have good credit in order to lease these, these types of products, right? I would say by and large, yeah. Yeah, by and large, would. yeah. 
So well, I, I know that you're, you're, you're downplaying. You're, you're saying it's a myth that you need perfect credit, and if you don't, it's the end of the world, and you're not going to be able to maneuver at all. But goodness gracious, do everything you can to protect your credit score. It's going to make your life a heck of a lot easier. It will be a lot easier if you do have a great score. Yeah. I will agree with you, yeah. Todd. Yeah. Um, is it the end of the world if you don't? No, because there always is a workaround. But, and, and there are some things that are unavoidable. Situations happen. Yeah, that's right. Like job loss. Job loss, health, matrimonial breakdown. These things happen every day. Yeah. But, you know, if you have some money in the bank or if you have access to credit, you should be able to hopefully get through that. I think when you're really close to the wind already, one small incident can be catastrophic. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it can be a slippery slope. I see people that have like 10 and 12 revolving credit facilities. It's like, why do you need that many? Mm -hmm. But I do agree, Todd, like having that credit card that you have as a backup, probably a great plan, but it's not for everyone because some people can't manage. They can't manage it. They can't. That's no. right. But and if then you guess can, what? Then they're going to be in to see me and they're going to be yeah. in a situation where, you know, I, I have clients that we've, you know, done uh, three, four, five, six refinances for them over the last like 10, 15 years. And, you know, they're refinancing every so often, but eventually we'll get to a position that they just can't refinance anymore. Yeah. Then what? Then guess what? They're just going to have to hunker down and start paying it paying it back. You can't just use your home as a constant ATM. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's nothing wrong with a refi. We're in the business of mortgage lending. I want to do refinances, but it needs to be an educated decision. And we just won't refinance someone for a refinance sake. There needs to be a positive outcome. And really, the, we need to make sure that our client's going to be in a better financial position from that refinance. You don't want to be 60-whatever years old and saying, my goodness gracious, we've refinanced this property five or six times. We have a ton left to pay on it. Our, we don't have the, the equity in it. Mm -hmm. It could be part of our, our retirement plan, but it's not now because we wanted to do extra cruises and extra trips. And yeah, extra and I, 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 I see those people. I, some, of, some of these are my clients, and some of, some of them are new clients coming in the door. And my advice changes at some point. I'm usually hammer it down before retirement, mm -hmm. but that's not always possible. And when clients come in and they're preparing to retire, but haven't retired yet, Todd, I sometimes have a conversation with them about either changing the product that they're in, maybe changing it from a mortgage into a home equity line of credit. Or sometimes what we do is we do a refinance and we extend that amortization back to 25 or 30 years to bring the payment down as far as we can. Because you and I both know in retirement, there's less disposable income, probably. Yeah. And chances are, in retirement, you might have more chance to spend some money. So if you're not going to get it paid down before retirement, you might as well just extend it over a long period of time. Yeah. And then you're, you're not renting. You're still mm -hmm. owning. You're still paying it down but maybe you're paying it down more slowly and maybe it's cheaper to still own that home than it is to uh, rent. And we know the situation with rentals is probably as heated or more than it is uh, for, for borrowers and buyers trying to buy properties. Yeah. Speaking of properties, uh, investment properties, pretty complex. Is that a myth that it's, that it's too complex in order to pull all that together? Not, ne not necessarily. No. Through our channel, we finance residential rental properties up to four units. Yeah. Um, so, and we usually will have borrowers uh, with a maximum cap of five or six properties, but they can have up to four units per property. 
So you can build yourself a pretty good, healthy portfolio in your personal name. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, we have buyers and borrowers that, um, you know, will buy a property and they'll fix it up and rent it up and then we'll do a refinance and maybe then that enables them to buy another property. And, you know, we have these conversations with, um, customers every day and it's exciting. You know, it's nice building that net worth. And I think, uh, some people are doing it as retirement projects these days. Yeah, it's absolutely. good. It, you know, if you have a lot of equity in your home and you can leverage the home to uh, make the down payment for the rental property, it can be a great solution. It's not for everybody, though, and it can be a good project too, going into retirement. It, but it again, can be, but, but some people retiring, they would the last thing they would want would be to deal with that headache. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it really takes, I think, a special person that wants to own rental properties. You have to have some compassion, and you also have a little have to have a little bit of thick skin. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, you know things go wrong. They go wrong, you know, if you own your principal residence, but they can certainly go wrong if you own a rental property as well. Plus, you got to know what it's like to deal with people, like you said, who, who are renters and not satisfied, unhappy customers, because mm-hmm. those are your customers when you're when you have tenants, they're your customers. Yeah, and guess what? If your customer doesn't pay, that could really negatively impact your personal yeah. finances, That's right? right? Yeah. And that uh, is certainly a risk that you need to think about. Uh, when you're doing a rental property, Todd, have you ever rented um, a property? Anybody? I have, yeah. Yeah, and how I, did had a t- I had a two unit. Okay. In St. John. And did you live in one? You didn't no. rent out the other, or they no. were both a rental. They were both rental, yeah. Okay. And uh, I, I, uh, it, it's, it's a tough business, just even with two units to be in. Because you had a full time job. I had a full time job. That's right. And and you're always getting calls. There was a shared driveway. They were fighting about that. They would. It was just like children almost. Not to dissuade people from having. Uh, from doing this but it's not for everyone and i think you need to think about things like that do you want to get the call about fighting about where people are parking and they will and they will and i think they'll fight about anything and you know even like the best tenants ever still may not be a dream but yet the ones that maybe you think are going to be really annoying are just like so good yeah there's a lot of false positives and false negatives i think when it comes to managing a rental property and it certainly uh is for a lot of people but it's not for everyone. I've owned rentals and you know, sometimes it's gone well and sometimes it hasn't. Personally today, um, I don't have any, mm-hmm. uh, but I have had, and the last tenant that I had actually moved out the end of August. And you know, the tenant was really good at paying, but really demanding on maybe some other things. Mm-hmm. But I had a property manager, so they took care of things. Yeah. But I still, you know, was involved, you know, as, as one would, you want to make sure that the asset's going to be protected. Right. All right. We have one more segment left and, uh, we'll, we'll find out what we're going to talk about. We'll be back here in news 95, seven. All right. Welcome back to mortgage one one your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. Right here on News 95.7, and obviously it's the uh, it's October, and you're in you're kind of in that Halloween mood, you know, mode, aren't you? I think you know October first. I kind of started getting in the mood. Why? I think it's something to look forward to. You know, I think that you know October is uh, you know it's fall, and uh, it really speaks to me about you know Halloween. I think we have Thanksgiving is yeah. in October. Yeah, sure. Um, and you know, a new season's almost like a fresh start for a lot of us. And I love, you know, the first of the month. I love the first of the quarter. I love Mondays. Um, you know, I think Mondays are like the best day of the week. 
And I think as soon as October hit, I thought of, you know, the fall. Uh, although fall is in September, but we've certainly had some very nice weather in September as well. What do you want to talk about? You know, I think that we should do a deeper dive into, you know, how first-time homebuyers can make the impossible possible. Which is the impossible is getting a house in this day and age. I think getting an accepted offer sometimes yeah. feels like the impossible. How much money do you need to have? And I know that obviously depends on what you're going to purchase. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but in the bank, going into it, what should you have kicking around? I, at minimum, have the 5% down payment. Kind of my rule of thumb is that... Uh, mortgage borrowers should really have about 8% of the purchase price between the down payment, closing costs, and, you know, things come up, adjustments and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, first-time home buyers in today's market should have somewhere, you know, between thirty to $40,000 yeah. available. And obviously, you know, there needs to be some decent household income. I would say, you know, it, 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 it kind of depends from borrower to borrower, you know, how much they actually do need to qualify. You know, some of that has to do with their indebtedness. But typically, um, the average first-time home buyer these days has to have household income of somewhere around about $100,000. Right. Wow. And some of this... It's significant. It's, and some mm-hmm. of this can be gifted. Yeah, of course, it can be gifted. Yeah. It can be saved. You know, uh, some borrowers uh, have access to programs uh, through... Uh, the insurer is called flex down, which is a borrowed down payment. So there are certainly options. Yeah. Um, but the easiest is obviously having, you know, the savings in place and that maybe that's an RSP, maybe that's a TFSA. Yeah. Um, and one thing that really does enable a lot of borrowers to make it a little bit easier is the first time home buyers incentive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not available for all first time home buyers. Um, there's a maximum constraint of household income of $120,000 and you can't exceed in our market more than four times the annual income between the mortgage amount and the incentive. But it's a conversation that we have with all first time home buyers because I think that, um, for a lot of people, it will reduce their borrowing costs, but also their high ratio insurance costs. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way to get in, in the door. So who sponsors it? The, the, the insurance company? Yeah, yeah the Canadian Mortgage yeah. Housing Corporation yeah, is the one that does that. Yeah. yeah. How does it work? It's a shared equity program. And uh, the borrowers have to put down the first 5% from their own resources. Yes. The down payment cannot exceed uh, 19.99% total. So in theory, a borrower could put down up to 14.99%, and then the yeah. insurer will come with another 5%. Um with a new home, if it's a brand new property, they will actually come in behind with as much as 10% in Why? shared equity. Why? They, I think there's more of an incentive for, obviously, new construction properties. Sometimes new construction is actually more expensive than mm-hmm. resale homes. Um, and I think it's probably less risk for the insurer and really the government at the end of the day. Typically, new homes do appreciate uh, sometimes faster than resale properties. So let me get this straight. So a, a new home buyer has... Five percent down, they want to put, mm-hmm. and you're telling me that CMHC will give them another five. Correct. If it's a resale home, right. If it's a new construction property, they'll give them another ten percent. And how do you qualify for that? Is there some type of uh, it, finan- it, or, or income it, barrier? Or? Maximum one hundred twenty thousand dollars household income. Yes. Maximum, and the mortgage amount and the incentive amount cannot equal more than four times the annual household income. 
Okay, so this sounds amazing. Why aren't more people... I mean, how, people how? don't talk about it. I would go out on a limb, Todd, and say I'm probably one of the only mortgage brokers, and I'm also going to include lenders, people at the branch level, that talk about the program here in our market. Yeah. I think the program hasn't hit across the country, and I'll use hit uh, with air quotes. Um, I think part of the reason we haven't seen the uptick is people don't really know about it. I think that it's slightly unpopular uh, due to, you know, some areas of the country not even having insured mortgages. Like, you, there's not much high-ratio insurance happening in Toronto or Vancouver because you can't get high-ratio insurance currently uh, with properties with a purchase price above $999,000. So that's, too much that's of a liability. Concern. Too much of a liability. Yeah. And they're trying to um, cool the market with properties that are, are kind of over that price point. The other thing, you know, sometimes people don't want to be in bed with the government. I think we all kind of are. If they want to give you your money, their money, yeah. which is our money. And it's interest-free. Yeah. Wow. The way that it works is you have 25 years to pay this basically shared equity back. Well, you have to pay it back. You have to pay it back. So you have 25 years to pay it back, or if you ever sell the property, or if the property ever becomes a rental. It gets paid. It gets paid, and you pay back 5% of whatever the property value is or the sale price is at that time that you sell yeah. it. No interest, though. No interest. So, you know, depending on what happens with the market, chances are the government's going to make a couple bucks. But kind of the rule of thumb that I have with most uh, home buyers and first-time home buyers, mm -hmm. the property needs to go up in value more than 100000 Oh, I see. They get, five, they get 5% of the future the, value. The future value. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, that's good for them. It's good for the homeowner in the sense that their interest carrying costs are going to take a smaller mortgage. Yeah. Um, so that's certainly positive. The other real win is when we insure a mortgage with the Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation, SAGEN, or Canada Guarantee, uh, you pay your premium based on the percentage of the mortgage. So normally if you put down 5%, you were financing 95%. But if you take advantage of this program and it's a resale property, we're only financing 90% of the purchase price. So it's actually going to reduce that insurance premium. It actually reduces the percentage of the insurance as well. Right. So it actually is a pretty good deal for first-time homebuyers. And we certainly have the conversation with everyone. But I think that's one of the big things that differentiates us maybe from other lenders. And, you know, I'm not saying that we are the be-all and end-all in mortgage lending. There's lots of options out there. You know, there is a bank branch on every corner in Halifax and really on every corner of even rural Nova Scotia. Yeah. Branches everywhere. And we have two offices. But the reason that I think that we have a deep entrenched relationship with our clients, Todd, mm -hmm. is because we give them the advice and talk about programs like this. It's not just taking the order. We're really, we really believe that we're advocates for our clients. And we really think that we're unbiased to the lender. Our bias really, uh, you know, lands with the consumer because I think that we're in the relationship business. Yeah, absolutely. And if a borrower feels like they got good advice and good feedback from us, you know, that makes me feel good. And I think that it's also going to have and make sure that they're going to come back to us. And they're also going to refer people like their friends and their family. Yeah. And, you know, for me, we love making dreams come true. And obviously, homeownership is a big part of this Canadian dream, quote unquote. Um, and there's so many nuances. And I think for first time home buyers, it is more challenging now than it probably ever has been. 
And I think it's going to continue being challenging. But if I think if you can get some advice, you know, first time home buyers incentive is one small piece of it. But I think if you can get advice like this and really get a good solid plan together, it will pay off. Mm-hmm. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? You know, I think the first way is for them to check us out online at teamclinton.ca slash radio. Lots of great information online. We have over 500 blog posts on our website, which I'm very proud of. Yes. All done locally here in Nova Scotia. Yes. Um, and if you surf onto our website, uh, every blog post from the last several months have all been local photos across Nova Scotia. So we're proud that not only the content is from Nova Scotia, we're also using photos that are done here locally. You know, we, we want to support people. Yeah. And I think um, just like owning a home, it takes supporting people. And I think when a consumer supports an unbiased mortgage professional in the area, they're supporting a small business. Clinton, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate you doing this. It's always great. Thanks for having me, Todd. You got it. That's Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. It's Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership. We'll be back next month.